started a series last week entitled Intentional Living. Everyone say Intentional Living. And uh, we talked about the walk, the being intentional with our walk with God. And I, I just, it's just something that's been resonating, percolating inside of my heart over the last couple of weeks. And this morning I'm going to talk to you about being intentional with God's word, living intentionally according to God's word. Now, I had a little experience this week. I was hanging out with some of my very favorite people on the planet, the City Church staff. And uh, we went to a little pastor's gathering over in Ocoee. And on our way back, I had the privilege of driving Pastor Esteban. I was chauffeuring Pastor Esteban. He was in the back. And I had the children's pastor, Nate, sitting next to me up in the front. And we were just driving aimlessly. We were driving, and we were laughing and telling stories and having a wonderful time. And, and uh, I might or might not have been going a little faster than the speed limit. That's all I'm going to say. I was driving aimlessly, but there was a guy who was living very intentionally in the moment. And uh, he was just up ahead of me. And uh, I want you just to get a little close-up so you can kind of see. Can you see that guy right there? Uh, I was driving aimlessly. He was driving very intentionally when he turned those lights on. And he came right after me. And uh, 64 and a 55. Come on, guy. Be kind. No, no, no. Don't put that up yet. Hang on. Hang on. You're giving it all away. Hang on. Hang on. You know what happens. Eh? He gives me a little love letter, a little intentional love note, <laughs> $131 illustration right there. There you go. But I thought about that. You know what I was doing? Actually, the Bible says that we are to obey every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. I was actually violating Scripture. By not obeying the law of the land. Now, we tend to think it, you know, it's fairly common for us to budge on speed limits, uh, at least for me. It's uh, an area the Lord is saving me in still, right? I'm saved, but I'm still being saved. It's called sanctification. But uh, the consequence is that I'm going to pay a price. I'm going to pay $131, and I'm going to take this course. I'm going to sit behind a computer and take this course so that I can learn how to drive better. And anyone that's ever driven with me has said, amen. <laughs> you know, the fact is today that we can uh, just live aimlessly through life, disregarding God's word. God has given us a roadmap to succeed in life. God wants us to live victoriously. God wants us to be overcomers today. And if we're going to live a life that God has destined and planned for us, we can't live aimlessly by our emotions, by our feelings, by the dictates or the things that the world says. We must live according to God's word. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to look at two passages of Scripture, one in the Old Testament and one in the New. The Old Testament is found in Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8. The New Testament is Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. Will you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? Joshua, we're going to begin with Joshua chapter 1. Joshua has been part of the group of people that have come to the place of the promised land. Moses, God's man of faith and power, who actually wrote the first five books of the Bible, directly received from God, wrote them down. It's called the Torah, or also known as the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, Deuteronomy. Joshua was his successor. Joshua was his right-hand guy. And Joshua gets this word from God. 
And in Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8, the Bible says, the Bible says, keep this book of the law. Study this book of instruction. Always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Everyone say prosperous. Everyone say successful. How many of you want to be prosperous today? Come on. How many of you want to succeed in your marriage today? How many of you want to succeed in your family today? How many of you succeed in your finances today? Come on. How many of you, we want to succeed. It's, our, it's in our heart. God's designed us and destined us for greatness. He's created us for purpose. All right. Now we're going to look at the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. And the Bible says, for the word of God. Everyone say the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. This morning I want to speak to you on this idea, allowing God's word to change my life. Allow God's word to change my life. I want you to repeat after me. I am not moved by what I see. I am not moved by what I hear, but I am moved by every word that proceeds from the book of God. You may be seated. At City Church, over the last 19, 18, 19 years, we, we've had different emphasis. But a couple of years ago, our team sat around a table, not just one time, but multiple times. And we started to write out. We would had started in every business and every church has like a mission statement. Our mission statement is bringing God's love to the city one person at a time and leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And, and we've lived that. We, we breathe that. That's our passion. It's our drive. It's, it's what drives us. It's how we make decisions about, about doing outreaches and bringing a guy like Mark Merrill in because we believe God wants people in this city to know him every person, every man, every woman. We believe that. And so it's our driving force. But there are things that we do. It's not the parts of the Bible that we say that we believe. It's the parts that we actually live. And as congregations and as churches, they have different distinctives and different emphasis and a lot of it based on the pastor. And, and, and what we decide is what we really wanted to, as a church family, who we really are. What do we really believe? And by belief, I mean, what do we really practice? And so, you know, the first thing that we practice, the first thing that we believe, we believe in prayer. We believe in talking to God. Therefore, we pray first. We, you hear that phrase all the time. We believe in the power of prayer. It's what we prayed over the children today. But the second core value, the second core value that we have is that the Bible is our authority. The Bible is our authority. It's our source of truth. And it's, the, and it's the voice of God to tell us how we are to live our life. The Bible. God's Word. Now, I don't know about you. I've read the Bible for many, many years now. But I remember I had a period of my life that I didn't read the Bible. As a matter of fact, my grandfather had given me a Bible as a little boy. My grandfather wasn't a godly man, but he knew as a little child I'd grown up in the church. So he gave me a Bible, and, and I would carry this Bible in the different homes that I lived in. Never opened the Bible, didn't read the Bible, but it was kind of like a good luck charm for me. And I remember one time I was living in a particular home. I was 20 years of age, and I had a Bible, not this Bible, I had a Bible, and it was sitting up on top of a piano that was in this house that I lived in with a friend of mine and his dad. 
And uh, on top of this Bible, this is a very interesting thing, on top of this Bible, my sister for my birthday had given me one of these little fake snakes that you could buy down in Mexico. They're kind of like a, you know, it's a little wooden snake thing. And, and I had that snake, and for some reason I made a decision to put that snake on top of this Bible. It sat that way for over a year. Never thought much about it. But one day God began to speak to my life. God began to speak to my heart. I, I began to realize that I needed Christ as my Savior. And at the age of 21, I gave my life to Christ. And I went back into that house. I remembered. I looked over there across the room, and I saw that piano, and I saw that snake sitting on top of that Bible. And I realized that the enemy had been able to shut the word of God out of my life. And that's exactly what he wants to do to you. Some of you have never read the Bible. Some of you, it's been, you know, it's a book that you look at and you try to read it and it doesn't make sense. And come on, have you ever read any, you want to be really honest today, have you ever read something in the Bible you didn't understand? Come on. All right. I said it last week, 32 years of reading the Bible now, and, and I have a lot more questions than I had even back then. There are things that I just, you know, I need understanding. I need the Holy Spirit to speak to me. But the Bible is our authority. And what we know about Scripture today, we know, what we know about the Bible is that it was written over a period of 1,600 years by 40 different authors with this theme, this theme of redemption, this theme of redemption that God loves people. People rebelled against God, but God had a plan from the beginning that he would make a way for them to come back into right relationship with him, and that was through his son Jesus. And from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, we see these prophecies over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, from Genesis to Malachi, over 300 times it tells us about this promised person, this Messiah, this Savior of the world that was to come. From his birth in Bethlehem to his death on the cross to his resurrection from the dead, over 300 times the life, the ministry, and the miracles of Jesus are spoken of. Hundreds of years, 700 years, 1,000 years, 1,600 years before Christ ever walked on planet Earth, the life of Jesus was prophesied. The Bible, the Bible as we know it has come together over a long period of time, but the scriptures tells us that it is God's word. It is literally breathed by God. It has many internal evidences. The prophets that prophesied. The, the, the consistency, the congruency of the centralized message of redemption for mankind. But it also has an external reality that it impacts the people that, it's, that hears it. It impacts the people that read it. The Reformation that took place over 500 years ago came because there was a man who was reading the Bible by the name of Martin Luther. And inside of his soul, he had tried to be religious. He tried to do a lot of good things, but he felt so empty. And then one day he was reading. He was reading the Bible in the book of Galatians. And Paul the Apostles wrote these words. He penned these words 1,500 years before this man would ever read them. The just shall live by faith. And in that moment, his very life was changed forever. He realized that there was a revelation. You know, I don't know about you today, but the Bible has impacted my life. I can argue lots of things. I can argue politics. I can even argue points of theology. But what people can't argue with me is the power of my changed story. God has changed my life. God has, God has made me into a new person. All things have passed away and all things have become new. Why? Because of the power of God's word. The Bible changes us. 
The Bible changes us. The Bible changes you. The Bible changes me. First Peter chapter 2, the Bible says it like this. The Bible, Bible says that God recreates us. He, he gives us a new life. The term that we use in the Christian circles that we are in is born again. We are reborn. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 23, the Bible says it like this. For you have been born again. Everyone say born again. Now, how is that possible? You're, you're, see, because you're not born a physical birth, but you're finally born a spiritual birth. You are born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable. The word of God is like a seed. And when it's sown into the human heart, it's living and it endures forever. The moment you say yes to Christ, the moment you say yes to Jesus, the incorruptible, imperishable seed of God's word. And you know who God's word is? Jesus. The book of John says it like this. In the beginning was the word. Everyone say the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. The word of God. The Lord Jesus Christ himself was the living word of God. He's incorruptible. He's imperishable. And when you say yes, when you surrender your life to him, in that very moment, there's a transfer. There's a new beginning. There's a new start. There's a rebirthing process. You become born again. Someone said amen. I want you to hear this today. Not only does he recreate our lives, he gives us brand new beginnings. All things have passed away. All things have become new. The Bible says that he also renews our mind. He renews our mind. When you understand today that, that God has called you for a purpose and you begin to read this book, even though at the be when you first start reading, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be words you're going to have to look up, but when you commit yourself, all of a sudden things begin to look differently in your world. You begin to think differently. As you begin to intake the scriptures, you begin to intake God's word, things begin to change inside of you. Viewpoints begin to change about yourself and who you are and who other people are. In Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, the Bible says it like this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Everyone say transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Do you know that this day, today, you'll have over 700 advertisements. 700 advertisers, businesses, will try to vie for your attention to buy a product. 700. I mean, and you think about it. Can that be true? Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just 300. But I, I have a, I have a feeling that many of us who spend a lot of time online see lots of ads. You can't open Facebook. You can't open Instagram. You can't open Snapchat. You can't go on Google and Google it. You can't even open your Bible online without getting ads. You can't drive down the road without being bombarded with images from billboards. Come on. You can't turn on the television without having to sit through. The other day, my wife and I went to see the movie, the uh, Mr. Incredible. Anybody see Mr. Incredible? We went to see Mr. Incredible. 25 minutes of advertisements. 25 minutes. We are bombarded with messages. 
And most of the messages, most of the voices that we hear, they're not the voices of God's people. They're not the voices of the way that we should walk and the way that we should go. As a matter of fact, they're things that tell us to buy, to consume, to make ourselves feel good. Not thinking like God thinks about our life, but thinking the way that the world thinks. And the Bible tells us that we're not to conform to the pattern of this world, but we're to be renewed, to be transformed. This book is not just a book of information. This book is about transformation. And the way that we are changed is that we begin to take this word into our life. Because this word, when we begin to take it into our life, it begins to release our faith. Everyone say release our faith. You're sitting here today. You're hearing the word of God preach, something stirring inside of you. There's this hunger that's building up inside of you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse number 17, so faith. Everyone say, so faith. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing. The hearing the word of God. There's something that happens. There's something that happens inside of you as our minds are being renewed. As we begin to read the scriptures and study them for ourselves, there's this faith that's beginning to be released. This week, uh, I had this very experience happen to me. I was, uh, I had mentioned earlier when I got my little love letter from the man who was living intentionally. We, we were coming back from a little pastor's gathering, and, and uh, there was a young man that was sharing the scripture. Young man had stood up. I actually have never been to a service quite like this. There was probably 60 or 70 pastors in the room, and this guy came in with pajama bottoms and flip-flops. True story. I mean, it looked like the guy literally had just rolled out from underneath the overpass. I'm like, now what has this guy got to say? But he began to open his mouth. And the moment he opened his mouth, the word of faith began to roll out of him. And he began to quote this psalm, Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And the moment he opened his mouth, there was a grace. It was the living word of God, the imperishable, incorruptible word of God that was flowing out of him. And then the, the next verse of the psalm says, who forgives all of our iniquities. And as he was, come on, everyone say All. And we say all. He forgives all of our iniquities. You know, the enemy wants you to live under shame and guilt and failure of the mistakes that you made earlier this morning. That argument that you got in with your spouse. That little tussle that you got in with your children on the way to church. Maybe you got a little love letter. Maybe you got a little love letter this week. You know, all things are passed away. He forgives all of our iniquities. And then it says he heals all of our diseases. Everyone say all. He heals all of our diseases. He crowns our life with loving kindness. And he renews our strength like the eagles. You see, there's something that happened in that moment. I said, I believe that. I believe that. I just believe. I believe that Christ is my healer. I believe that he forgives all of my sins that I've made, the mistakes that I made yesterday, the messes that I made last month. I believe that when I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all wrongdoing. The word of faith 
You begin to speak the word of faith. So since Easter, I've been really intentional about taking care of, I mean, I've always been, you know, fairly health-minded and conscious and and, uh, doing all that kind of stuff. But uh, I had that little thing pop up on Easter with my heart and kind of just shook me up. And and since then, I'm going to the doctor and and I'm doing all that stuff that, you know, guys neglect to do for a long time. And, but I started taking my blood pressure. So I got a little machine at home. And, but across the street at the Publix from where we live, there's a little machine called the Heejie machine. So I walk over there every day, and I take my blood pressure. Last night, last night, I took my blood pressure, and it was really elevated. And I started to get discouraged. I'm like, man, I'm doing, I'm going to the gym six days a week. I'm doing 25 minutes of cardio. I mean, I'm lifting. I'm, God, I mean, come on. I mean, I was just, I'm just being real honest here, right? I'm just feeling a little discouraged. Like, why is my blood pressure elevated? I'm taking my pills, doing what I'm supposed to do, drinking my water. And then as I was walking, this verse came to my mind. Mark 11. It's been a life verse for me. I actually sent it to a couple of guys in our church this week. It's just it's a life verse for me, but it's Mark 11, 22 to 24, and it says, have faith in God. Literally means have the faith of God. And then you will say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. You will say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. If you do not doubt in your heart, but you believe those things that you say. Everyone say believe. It will come to pass. There's something that happens when you begin to release. You begin to speak our response to God's word. We just begin to speak it. It just begins to change us. So that word of God dwells richly in us. It recreates us. It renews our minds. It releases our faith. So how do we respond today? What's our response? What's my response? What's your response today? The first thing, if we're going to live intentionally, if we're going to walk intentionally and live the life of an overcomer, if we're going to fulfill the destiny and the plan that God has for us, we have to be intentional in seeking God's word daily for ourselves. I'm so thankful. So thankful the house is full. So thankful for everyone that comes to City Church and the growth that we're having. But let me tell you, if you don't get this word into your heart yourself, if you don't get it, it ain't just for the preacher, boy. It's for every person in this room. As a matter of fact, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you who speaks to you. Jesus said he would be your teacher and he would lead and guide you into all truth. I'm your cheerleader. I'm your coach. I'm here to tell you you can do it. You can live as an overcomer. I'm here to stir your faith up. But let me tell you, God has given you his eternal, indestructible, imperishable word of God that when you digest it, when you eat it, when you take it for yourself, it changes your life. But you got to seek it. This psalm, Psalm chapter 1, is the message paraphrase. I love the way that it says this. I want you to hear this. And this is a, this is a very loosely translated, but it still kind of works for this message. That's why I use it. But how well God must like you. He doesn't just like you today. God loves you. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along dead-end road. You don't go to Smart Mouth College. Instead, you thrill to God's Word. You thrill to God's Word. You chew on Scripture day and night. You're a tree replanted and eaten, bearing fresh fruit every month. And you will prosper in all that you do. When you seek God's Word for yourself, you know what? God's going to speak to you about how to have a 
better relationship with that neighbor that just irritates you. God's going to begin to speak to you about how to become a better husband, a better mom. God is going to begin to speak to you and teach you how to become the parent. Maybe you didn't have a dad. Maybe you had an abusive parent, abusive mom, abusive dad. And he said, I don't know how to be a parent. God's going to begin to speak to you on how to become a better parent. You know where you're going to find it? You're going to find it right here in this instructional manual. You're going to find it right here in this roadmap, the roadmap of God. But only as you seek God for yourself. Only as you seek the Lord. And so we, we, we understand we, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. We're not only intentional or seeking the word of God, we're also intentional in our studying of God's word with other people. And studying God's word with other people. In Acts chapter 2, verse number 42, the Bible says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Everyone say all. All the believers. All of them. They heard the gospel. Peter preached a powerful message on the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And thousands, thousands of people who didn't believe, their faith was stirred. And they said, yes, I believe. And in one moment, they went from just receiving information about God, but they were transformed by the living God. And then they begin to gather together. And they devote. Everybody say devoted. Now that word, strong word. It means a, a big commitment. When you read the study of the early church, I mean, these guys didn't just do it like once a week. These guys were together every day. And they studied the apostles' teachings. Those men that had been with Jesus, the things that they were saying, and they, they hung out. They did life together. They shared meals together, including the Lord's Supper. And they prayed for one another. This can only happen, this can only happen when we're with other people. We're studying the Word of God together. It corrects thinking, thinking. It helps us to have a deeper understanding of what God's Word really says. It isn't just some idea in our head, but it's the truth of what God has said to believers for thousands of years. And finally, we become intentional with sharing God's Word with other people. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the changed life. Years ago, I heard a very famous theologian his name was Michael Green. I got to spend a day with him. It was such an honor to be with this man. He was—he he had forgotten more than I've ever learned. And he, he had forgotten more than I'd ever learned on one finger. I mean, he was just a brilliant man, a theologian. And I was talking to him about the gospel. And he, he said, you know, for him, it's kind of like this. He sees it as like one beggar sharing a piece of bread with another beggar. And that bread was the bread of life. Jesus said, I'm that bread that comes down from heaven. And if you eat of this bread, you'll never hunger again. People hunger for fulfillment, pleasure, desires, money, stuff, and it never fulfills. They go from experience to experience. But when you share, when you share what God has done in your life, the power of the gospel. In the book of Acts, there was a guy by the name of Philip. He'd been transformed by Jesus. And the Bible says he hears a man who's reading the Bible. He's actually reading the book of Isaiah, and he didn't understand it. The Bible says that Philip came alongside him and began to explain. And that man and his whole family got baptized and saved. 2,000 years later, people are still sharing the word of life, and lives are being changed. 
So what do we do with this today? What do you do with this today? First of all, I want to challenge you to prepare your heart. Everyone say, prepare your heart. John 4, 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. We worship. I love the presence of Jesus. I started something this week in my workout. I started listening to Kirk Franklin. And, uh, you know, I was listening to all this talk stuff and filling my head and I said, I think I'll mix it up a little bit this week. And so I started, and I found, I worked out harder this week. Come on, God's people, all you GP, boom, boom, and I'm up there. And I mean, I'm in there clapping on the machines, and my wife's like, you crazy. I love the worship in spirit. I love when Miranda and the team lead us in worship in the presence of God. Honestly, there are times I'd like to just, last week in this service, after the, that last song, it was like, this plane was like a helicopter getting ready to take off. And you could just keep worshiping. You could feel it, right? We love the spirit. But it's the truth that sustains us. We love to feel. But the anchor of our soul, the more sure word of prophecy is the truth of God's word. And so we, 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 we prepare a heart, but we get ourselves a daily plan. We get ourselves a daily plan. Joshua said we're to meditate upon the scriptures, chew it upon it, read it every single day, day and night. And then our ways will prosper. Then our ways will prosper. Uh, not only do we have to read it every day, but we've also, put the next point up for me, help me out here, giving it three. <laughs> We've got to participate in a small group. We talk about this all the time. you got to get into small groups. Small groups, the semester's coming up in just a couple of weeks, and, and we're starting a bunch of what we call freedom groups. And the freedom groups, listen, they're going to be a, the 12 weeks. You're going to go from really learning about who God is and what his purpose is and how he's planning for you to live a life of freedom. It's going to be an awesome experience. And then at the end of that 12 weeks, we're going to meet together and we're going to have a time of really walking through repentance and experience, experiencing God's presence and asking him to fill us with his Holy Spirit. It's going to be a, a wonderful season. We've got about 10 or 11 of these freedom groups are going to be across this campus. I would encourage you to make yourself available to that. The last thing, the last thing you got to hear today is we got to put it into practice. James says, faith without works is dead. I mean, you can hear the word. You can get emotionally charged. There's a guy, his name is Dr. Jordan Peterson, and, and uh, I've read quite a bit of him lately. I've been listening to him. He's really challenging just the way that I'm thinking about things. And he's, a psych he, he's, a, he's a psychiatrist. He's a psychiatrist. He's based out of Canada. He teaches at the University of Toronto. And in one of his books, he, he talks about people that go to the doctor. They said He says for every hundred people, every hundred people that go to the doctor and get a prescription, 33, 33 of them will walk out the door with that prescription and never go get a fill. 33. Of the next 33... The next 33, they'll go and get the prescription, but they won't follow it properly. They won't take it every day, and they won't finish their medications all the way to the end. Anybody have medications in your cabinet right now because you didn't finish them to the end? Come on, right? But there'll be a third that will actually put it into practice and do what the doctor ordered. You know why that is? You know why that is? Because there's something inside of us that doesn't really believe that we're worth it that doesn't really believe that we could get better. I mean, there's something, it's, he actually talks about people treat their dogs. When a veterinarian 
prescribes a person a medication for their dog, almost 100% of the people will go and get the meds and give them to the dogs, but they won't take them themselves. So we're going to help you today. We're going to have a little homework assignment. Everybody say homework. It's a really simple homework assignment. It's a seven. We're going to do this as a church family. As, so we're going to do a family devotion, all right? As, we're going to do a family devotion. Over the last couple of years, uh, we've asked you, and we've done this series until you asked for it, and we've asked you kind of what, what would you like to hear us talk about? And the number one, for three years in a row, the number one issue that came up was depression and discouragement. So we're going to do a little Bible study for one week. I'm going to ask you to do this just for one week, seven days. Every day, everyone's seven days. We can do seven days. We're going to do this for seven days. And, and if you haven't done this, if you haven't downloaded on your phone, and I, I'm, I'm assuming that most people here have a smartphone. If you don't, you can go to your computer and you can type in uversion.com. But I would encourage you for one week, if you're not used to, maybe you're used to reading the Bible the old school way, that's great. But, but I want to challenge you, download this app. When you download this app, you're going to open up. You're going to see a screen that you can type a word in. You can type in the word depression or anxiety or fear. And this uh, this Bible study, it's a seven-day Bible study. It's called Fear and Anxiety. It's going to come up. It's seven days long. You're going to click on that, and you're going to go over there, and it's going to have what, it's got a little button on here called the start plan. And the moment you click that button, you can start. And it's a very simple plan. There's a scripture verse. There's a devo. There's a short devo on there. And there's, then there's a place after you read it for you to actually write down what God is speaking to you. And what I want to encourage us as a church family, I want to encourage some of you maybe for the ver very first time to get a word from God, to seek God every day. Just, just come on. Dr. Eugene is giving you your prescription right now. He's writing it out. Now, don't be like one-third of those people that walk out of the doctor's office and never go get it fulfilled, right? I want to encourage you. Just It's a very simple. It'll take you 10, 15 minutes. Some of you, you got kids at home. Do this with your family. Just to make it really simple. Seven days. I, I want to challenge you because I believe that in the next seven days, if you really do this, if you really seek God and you write down, you write it down, say, God, what are you speaking to me? I believe that God's going to speak to you. And I believe your life is going to be changed. And you're going to find a circumstance. You're going to find a situation at work or a relationship with your spouse. You're going to find something that's going to happen. That because you read the word of God that day, you're going to have the strength to succeed, to respond differently than you've done before. I believe that today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this moment. Thank you for your grace. We love you. Jesus, you're so good. Help us to live intentionally by allowing your word to change us in your wonderful name, in the wonderful and the mighty name of Jesus.